we are a band of brothers, diverse yet unified, aligned to pursue the truth, resolute in our commitment. We are stronger together, and you are one of us. This is the Brotherhood Podcast. Brothers, welcome to the podcast. Today we get to jump in and uh, connect with Kirby Anderson, uh, who was our June speaker at the breakfast. Now, traditionally, you would hear the actual recording from the from the breakfast, and then Matt and I would break that down in a in a different podcast. But unfortunately, the recording did not happen, so uh, we had to scramble a little bit to try to figure out what was the best way to kind of move forward. Because I knew from a content standpoint, we've had a lot of people asking, like, when can we hear this? We want to we want to kind of reconnect with that. Uh, Kirby, as always, is a fantastic speaker. We love having him be a part of the Brotherhood. So we figured the next best thing would be to have Kirby actually on the podcast. And so this one's going to be a little bit different. We're definitely going to touch on a lot of the content that Kirby spoke about in the breakfast. So you're still going to get, you know, hopefully 90 plus percent of that. Uh, but at the same time, uh, hopefully we can develop it a little bit further real time as we go. So this one's going to be a little bit different, um, but I'm really excited to jump in. Kirby, if you don't mind, say hello to the audience, say hello to the brotherhood and tell them a little bit about yourself. Hey, Evan, thanks so much for having me. And hey, guys, appreciate you taking the time to listen. Um, many of you guys may have been there here at, at during uh, the breakfast that day, and it was a great morning. And for those of you who weren't, happy to have this chance to, to be able to share some of those things again. I, uh, uh, for those of you who don't know me, I've, um, I'm a member of Church on the Move. I've been married to Gail for 42 years plus, and uh, that's probably the greatest accomplishment of my life. Then uh, I'm the dad of five, I'm the papa of seven, and probably the biggest thing that I like to say about who, uh, who I am is not so much tied to what I've done or what I've accumulated, but I am a son of the Most High God, and uh, that becomes more precious to me every day. Um, I vocationally, I've been in ministry for over 40 years, 35 of those is I was in pastoral roles in three great churches, Church on the Move being one of them. I was a senior pastor for 19 years, and, uh, and now I'm a friend and a coach of church leaders, and that's where I spend most of my time, uh, is being able to, to help all of them be able to fulfill what God has called them to do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, from a brotherhood standpoint, uh, we're so excited that you got a chance to speak to the brotherhood at the breakfast. Uh, I'm going to put a little bit of a plug in here. This is one of the reasons that you want to actually attend the breakfast because you're going to get the full uh, presentation. I know it's 645 in the morning, so sometimes it's a little hard to make it all the way across town. Uh, but man, uh, being in the room is definitely one thing. Uh, and so, you know, having Kirby here is, I guess, the next best thing. I don't know. I, I think they're, they're equally good, but you want to make sure that you're you're benefiting from both sides. Kirby, you've talked a lot about uh, yourself, which I always think is an interesting uh, interesting thing that we have to do sometimes. We have to explain who we are to people. But yeah. I, I love how you always start with you're the husband of Gail and you start to talk about your family first. Most people would start and kind of lead 
from a, here's what I do vocationally, you've kind of inverted that. And I think some of that has kind of come with uh, some of the lessons that you've learned along in life, but also recognizing kind of your purpose and, and, and the, the reason that you're here. Uh, why do you believe, uh, because I know that you're, you're big into to coaching families and churches and all that other stuff, the role as a father and the role as just kind of a, a leader in the, the circle of people that you're you know surrounded with, why does so much of your identity come from your marriage and your family? I, I think uh, more and more, I used to start off with, you know, in, in this little elevator pitch, you know, somebody says, well, so tell me a little bit about yourself. And that's what I would do. I would start like most of us do with vocation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think most of us identify and, and our, identi- our identity is in, like I said, in what we do and in what we have. And um, that has changed over the last number of years because I do realize that identity is mainly relationship. And first and foremost, uh, my unshakable relationship is is the fact that I'm a son of God. I'm a follower of Jesus. But then the rest of it, what really identifies me and what has the greatest value in my life is the fact of uh, that I am a hus- the husband of Gail and of my children. I realized a number of years ago when I became a senior pastor and uh, kind of started over uh, and introduced myself to the congregation, uh, is I, I started it then and I, I basically just said, you know, uh, long before I was pastor, I was uh, Gail's husband and long after, I will be called Pastor Kirby. I hope to be Gail's husband, and <laughs> and I and I hope uh, I hope to always have a few who who would uh, lovingly refer to me as Pastor Kirby. That w- those were always uh, words that was like music to my ears because of the great uh, responsibility and privilege that 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 carries. But more than that, long after that. I, I still want those who are closest to me and who revere me the most. Uh, they're the ones that, that mean the most to me. So I always want to be honey. I want to be dad. I want to be papa. And uh, the, the, those are the ones that I'm giving my life to first and foremost. And uh, that's, that's, that's why I do what I do. Yeah, absolutely. I, I appreciate you, you talking a little bit about that because I think that for us, especially as brothers, we sometimes we're coming to these breakfasts because we're trying to figure out who we are. We're trying to figure out what our purpose in life is. And, you know, as we kind of walk through that, like uh, something that as we look to our elders and we look to some of the, the people who are maybe a little bit further on in life, uh, we can kind of reflect and say, you know, hey, what, what have you learned along this journey? And I think that yeah. that's a, a more introspective kind of way to do that. I, as I was uh, kind of preparing to talk to you today, uh, I downloaded your little ebook that you have that says the seven ways to supercharge uh, your family. And the interesting thing for me that you, you kind of summarize a lot of it together as time together, meaningful conversation and respect and courtesy. And I think that, you know, if, if we can do those things from a family perspective, that we can really, like you said, supercharge those relationships and create, hopefully, that next generation of leaders, that next generation of brothers uh, in the community. But I want to kind of pivot from that a little bit because you talk a little bit about the 
great commission and recognizing kind of the, uh, the, the, the mission that we have from Christ, uh, and, and how we should kind of lead towards that. Um, and, and for me, you know, you have Jesus's mission, you have the great commission, and then you have us. Um, and I think yep. that a lot of that is tied to some of the things that you talk about in terms of quality time, uh, meaningful conversation, respect and courtesy. I think those two things from a family perspective and a great commission perspective are are actually pretty well linked. And so I think that kind of ties a little bit into some of the things that you talked about in the breakfast. So if you don't mind, can you give us a little bit of the intro into what you started talking about in the actual breakfast? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm happy to. I I think the thing that was really on my heart right now, mainly because of a lot of the work that I do with other churches and in looking back over the 35 years that I was in pastoring, I, I, I have a different, a greater uh, understanding, a greater appreciation for the simplicity of what Jesus asked us to do. In, um, in Luke chapter 19, Jesus made a very succinct statement that summed up his personal mission of why he was on this planet. And I love this, uh, Evan, just like what you were referring to earlier. So, so much of the time that we spend here on this planet is again, uh, like Mark Twain said, uh, learning or, you know, celebrating the day that we were born and, and then also hopefully celebrating the day that we understand why and, and trying to figure out who we are. And in Luke 19, 10, Jesus said very succinctly, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And that's it. Boom. Uh, this, is, this is why he was here. He was crystal clear, laser focused on this. I crave for that kind of, <laughs> of focus and simplicity. <laughs> and I get closer to it all the time. I'm 64 now, and I keep, I keep chipping away at that. And... Uh, and I think that, that we all want to do that. But when we overlay that with then the Great Commission in Matthew 28 that he gave to all of us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that he commanded us. Essentially what the organization that I work for right now called Intentional Churches, what, what we say is that churches don't need to spend any time trying to determine what their mission is. You may determine a creative way to say it, but essentially the mission has already been given to us. And that is to make more and better disciples. That's bottom line, what we're called to do. And yeah, that is kind of tied back to what you were saying as far as family and so on. That was my first thing was to raise my kids to, to love the Lord and to help them to grow up and understand their purpose. And hopefully uh, they'll be able to hit the mark that God has for them. And that really emanates first and foremost from, uh, you know, the relationship that I form with them and giving them a good example of what is a heavenly father and, and uh, hopefully don't mess that up too bad. Another little point on that, going way back to what you had said, I think the other reason why this is so important to me, just from a dad's standpoint, is as I shared a year and a half ago when I was with the Brotherhood, in that testimony there, I lost my dad when I was 18, back in 1975. And man, it still left a big impact on me. And I wanted better for my kids. 
and yeah. uh, my dad didn't didn't get uh you know what i have today he died when he mm-hmm. was 40 and i think my gosh if i lived in my 24 and all the the joy that i have right now with adult sons and daughters and and uh grandkids and all of that it's uh it's so valuable but anyway those were the things and i i talked to the guys again just about this that um uh having a greater understanding of the heart of our father god for the lost of Mm -hmm. of this world and that's and it came back to this statement jesus came to seek and to save the lost and that was every one of us and we all appreciate that but after we become christians I think we mentally assent to that and we're happy to be a part of it, but I don't know. I know for me that there was a, a big part of my time, even pastoring, that that wasn't as front and center as, as what I think that it could have been and should have been. I think of the scripture or the, um, the parable of uh, Christ being a shepherd and leaving the 99 to go for the one and just kind of recognizing that you know, from a 99 standpoint, and I think uh, Matt and I talked about this in a previous podcast from a 99 standpoint, like 99% is pretty good. Like, I, like if I, if I do something to a 99 percentile, like that's a win for me. So, so it was kind of hard for me to grasp that leave the 99. It feels ir- like irresponsible to leave that, to go after the yeah. one. But I think, I think the message behind that is that we always need to be focused on reaching the lost. If that's like the primary purpose, if, if that's what God's goal is for us, that we as a 99 should be going after the one. It's not saying yeah. that we're 99% of the, the world population is Christian and there's only 1% left to go for. I think it's putting the, the emphasis on how important it is for God to say, it's so important for me that we reach the lost, that I'm willing to leave you guys here because I know that you're safe. I'm going to put myself in danger to go this direction. That's the value of, of that. And I want to communicate that to us, which it's hard for us to understand. I mean, a, a created we're created beings and, and we don't have the, the same capacity uh, of love that he has. But if that's even just a, a small percentile of communicating that love, it's still hard for me to understand because I, I just, I don't, I don't see that. But what I was telling Matt in a previous podcast was that, you know, I, I'm, I'm not always that focused on that 1% because for me, uh, I'm more of a, Hey, when you're ready, come over here. I don't want to force my beliefs on you. I don't want to, you know, kind of put you in a position where you feel like I'm judging you or, or I'm, I'm trying to like look down on you. I I don't want to communicate any of that, but it's finding that balance of, you know, reaching the lost and recognizing that there's a person that needs, you know, somebody to go after them as opposed to somebody who's, who's sitting there going, Hey, when you're ready to get it together, when you're ready to be saved, let me know. And I, and I think that's the struggle that I have right now. And uh, Matt kind of echoed that too, that for us, how do, how do we make that transition to be more lost minded as opposed to I'm here when you're, when you're ready to come back? Does that make sense? It does. And that was really kind of the, the under, tone of what I was trying to communicate that day to the guys is that it's really a matter of intentionality. 
it starts with awareness, but then it shifts to an intentionality. And I think we've all been to that place of where we're saying, yeah, totally, I'm, I'm totally available. You know, if somebody walks up and says, hey, you know, tell me a little bit more about your faith or so on. Well, that's a gimme, you know, but where, where is it between that and then knocking on doors or standing on the street corner and going after people that we don't know? And to be real honest, I'm not really even, I, I wasn't that day. I wasn't really trying to work us all up into a lather to go out and to talk to people that we don't know. I really believe at the heart of what Jesus was encouraging for each and every one of us to embrace this, this great commission was to, to particularly focus on those that we're already in relationship with. And that to me is a much different thing. I, I have relationship with people and yes, like you, I don't want to necessarily come across as being the guy that's intruding or is just being uh, annoying. Uh, we've all been, been on the other side of that. But is there room for us to at least be intentional, to be prayerful, to be actively looking for an opportunity or nurturing this relationship in such a way that it does create an opportunity for some kind of gospel conversation and eventually an invitation uh, to maybe just to attend a place where they can experience the love of God, they can come into community with, with other people like you and me, like at the Brotherhood Breakfast or a church or a small group or something like that, where, where they are, um, again, they're experiencing the love of God. You referenced the 99 and the one, and this, this is at the heart of what our work with churches is today that in the organization I work with, and it comes out of Luke 15. And in that passage, for the guys who aren't completely aware of it, they may know that parable of the lost sheep, but it actually comes in a chapter in Luke 15 where Jesus taught three parables and essentially, they were all about the same thing. It was all about searching for something lost. And it was all about something that may have been, at least in a couple of the parables, that were a little bit trivial. Uh, you talked about it. What is one sheep compared to 99? What is a lost coin compared to all the other possessions I have? And the third one was the prodigal son. But in this in this, in this chapter, what Jesus was doing was emphasizing to us by, by telling us the same thing in three different ways, it is emphasizing something that it was the heart of God and that we were to tap into this. This is a big deal. And again, we spend most of our time with congregations today trying to mobilize the 99 the ones who were already there to have a greater awareness and an intentionality to reach their lost ones uh, in their own lives within their community and, and, and to bring the gospel to them. And we teach, Evan, that you actually, as a church, have to have almost an overemphasis uh, on an outward focus of the loss, just to counterbalance that natural tendency that we all have on ourselves. 
our personal preferences, on being comfortable and convenient. And we're all guilty of it. I've been the chief of sinners of those things. We like what we like, and we're happy for other people to come along as long as they like what we like. But when do we begin to put aside our preferences, our uh, maybe familiarity and convenience for the sake of saying, there's somebody else out here who needs the Lord. I know a few people who did that for me, who, who bent their schedule and was very intentional about helping me to come to an understanding of who Jesus was. And they did that. It wasn't just, I wasn't a notch on their belt that I'm going to, you know, they're going to have one conversation give me the gospel presentation, hope to headlock me and put me into the sinner's prayer real quick and get me to accept this deal. They sewed into it with relationship. And I'm the result of these people's love and intentionality. And that's what um, I, I wanted to ask the guys to consider a little bit and to shift in the way that we think that perhaps we could be a little more intentional. Regrettably, again, we uh, when I was pastoring and when I was lead pastor, we did some great things in our city. We saw people come to Christ, so I wasn't completely negligent. But when I look back at this, I really am convinced that I let the majority of my attention and focus get dominated by the 99. And that's because the only voices that you really hear are the voices of those who are already there. And they can be very demanding. And who's listening to the voice of the one? And that's why Jesus is just saying, we have got to, just from a standpoint of, of a perspective of mission, that we are called to be aware of those around us who don't know him yet. And how can I not just be passively available, but actively involved in this great commission and saying, how can I nurture this relationship with a coworker, with a neighbor, with a family member, or another friend that we're hanging out with regularly, but we've gotten comfortable in just doing what we do, and I'm kind of waiting on him. I'm not comfortable with that anymore. I, I want to be more intentional and aware. That's, that's what I think that Jesus was encouraging all of us to do. And it's a new awareness to me, and I wanted to share that with the guys. Kirby, I appreciate you sharing that because, you know, some of the things that you talked about there, like I was just sitting there with, you know, part of my benefit as I've been able to dwell a little bit on some of the notes that you have here. And just thinking about like giving that attention to the 99 versus the having the heart and the missions for one, like I'm just, it just it's, I said it's illogical, but if I maybe put it in this context, it'll make a little bit more in terms of like how I'm processing it. The yeah. one does not fund the 99. So like if I'm just thinking of it from like a, tr a pure like financial standpoint, it makes a lot of sense that churches would be so focused on the 99 and not so outreach focused because the one does not pay the bills. The 99 pay yep. the bills. And I, and I think that that's probably a horrible way to look at that. And I'll, I'll probably have to talk to Christ about that at some point. But I, that's just kind of how my brain works. So, so, But then my thought process went to, okay, so what God's saying is the one is the mission. That's, that's the thing that I want you to do. And I think that if I kind of take some limits off of God, because 
I'm guilty of this. Just God sometimes to me is never big enough. And so I have to kind of pull back and say, okay, God, if, if you're as big as you say you are and you, you have the relationship that you do, and I believe what the Bible says, and I believe that you, you can, you know, do everything that you say that you can do. Is it feasible to say that if I follow your mission, that you're going to, you're going to make the finances happen. You're, you're going to provide for the church. You're, you're going to, you're going to allow whatever the gripes are with the 99 that you're going to hold them accountable for that, but you're going to fund what we need to do to be a church, to make an impact in the community. And it's a, it's a faith step. It's a, it's a step beyond what's logical for me. But if we're, if we're truly believing that this is God's mission, he's repeated it multiple times, talking about the 99, talking about the lost coin, talking about the prodigal son, talking about all these things. And then we say, well, God, I would really like to, to go after the loss, but I can't afford to do that uh, and, and do all this other stuff. So we're not going to do that. I don't think that's going to fly. But I think for me, like we have to take those limits off of God. We have to recognize that God is bigger than the financial stability of the 99 and that his focus is for us to go after that one. And I, and I think that yeah. for me, like I'm, this is a daily battle in my mind, like just saying, God, you're big enough to make this happen. You got me here. You can get me there. I believe that you have more for me. I believe that you have intentionally put people in my life that I can potentially have influence and relationship with. And am I going to be willing to take those steps and trust you that I'm not going to destroy the relationship and trust you that hopefully I can be that hands and feet of you in this situation to invite them to brotherhood, to be there and willing to listen to, to maybe be in a situation where if they say something, that's a cue for me to just ask one question and that could open the door for what I need. And I think that we make it this big thing. We make it this, I need to be standing on a box in the middle of 71st and Memorial and, and preaching about God's love for people. But I love how you've kind of honed it in and just said, Hey, Let's just be intentional with the the people and the relationships that we do have, and let's start yeah. there. We don't have to take yeah. these giant leaps. God's not calling us to do these things. God's calling you to invest in relationships, and that's one of the reasons that I brought up uh, the the things that you were talking about in family, time, meaningful conversation, respect, and courtesy. Yeah. I think if you do those things, not just with that's your it. family, but with those intentional people that God's putting on your heart, and part of this you need to ask God. You need to say, hey, God, who are the people? Who are the people that I need to be intentional with? And, and take some of the uh, take some of the pre-assumptions off of it. Like, I can't hang out with so-and-so because they're always doing X, Y, Z, and I don't want to be associated with that. But if you look yeah. at Christ, Christ was hanging out with sinners. He, he wasn't hanging out with the Pharisees. He was hanging out with the sinners, and they you know, they gave him a really hard time for that, but his entire life was the embodiment of that mission of seeking the loss, going for the 99 and, and having yeah. influence. Uh, you know, I think of the thief on the cross, the, the first person that, uh, God conversed with and the first convert, if you will. Well, he was spending time, meaningful conversation and gave him respect and courtesy right there on the cross. And guess what happened? He had influence in that guy's life, uh, to be able to, start the mission and, and model that for us. Maybe I took that too deep, but that's just kind of where my mind went. And most of those things don't cost any money. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so is, and, and 
you know, even from a church, from an institutional church standpoint, um, really this whole mission isn't the, isn't the, isn't the sole responsibility of church leaders to make this happen. This falls to us. And, and it, it, it shouldn't just be Pastor Witt and Pastor Lee and, and, and others on the church team that should be focused about this. This is something that we're supposed to be leveraging our relationships. That's where the greatest impact will happen. And sometimes people will just, you know, they get their pants in a bunch over this whole idea of leaving the 99 for the one. Like, well, what about me? Well, <laughs> hey, you know what? We're going to be taken care of for the most part. And as far as uh, our growth and, and so on, I, I understand this differently right now. I used to think so much about how that we had to create all these discipleship pathways for the 99 to continue to grow. And I am firmly convinced now, Evan, that it is God's greatest method to grow every one of us to become more Christ-like in, in becoming more selfless through focusing on the lost one. If we can get our eyes off ourselves, and what happens when we're focusing on the lost? We're willing to pray. We're willing to give of our calendar. We're willing to give of our time a little bit. We're willing to, to focus on something other than myself. I'm outward focused. We've got love day coming up. What is that? That's getting our eyes off ourselves. Mm -hmm. We're going serving people that, that we may not know. And we're giving up a day to be able to do this, this is becoming selfless. And this is what becoming Christ-like is all about. So I can sit around and go through classes after classes and workshop after workshop and not be becoming more mature as a Christian at all <laughs> as just the simple little act of, hey, I just wanna do what Jesus asked me to do and to, to stop focusing so much on myself and how do I need to focus on the lost one? It's, it's, an amazing, it's an amazing thing. And again, all of this comes back to that, that passion of the father, that when you really understand the love of a father who was missing, who was missing uh, the, his, his children that he created and were separated from him, in relationship and he initiated towards us we didn't even know we were lost mm. he aggressed towards us when we capture that particularly as men and particularly for those of us who have been blessed as fathers that'll rev our engines a little bit different uh, you shared a story, which I'm going to ask you to maybe tie into a little bit, especially talking about not knowing that you're lost. Because I, I think that especially like when you have kids, you're in that situation where you kind of wander off, you're kind of doing your own thing and you don't, you don't know where you are, but you've never really been concerned about it. And then that moment that it sinks in, the moment that you as a father recognize that your kids are lost. And also for them, the moment they realize they're lost, there's this there's this huge kind of release of emotion 
and it makes it uh, it makes it real i guess is 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 the best way to to put it but you you're in that yeah. situation and there's all of these thoughts that are just going through your mind and 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 for the kid there there's no thoughts going through their mind they're just in in a situation where it's like hey i'm off doing this thing and and everything's great but if you can talk a little bit about that from your own personal experience because yeah. I, I think that helps kind of illustrate this a little bit better well, it was 25 years ago, I told this story that we were, as a family, all the kids were home and we were a camping family in those days. We had a little pop-up camper and we took a trip down to General Butler State Park in Kentucky. And, and it was a pretty big park and it was beautiful. The camp area was all wooded and there was a lot of trails and stuff. And one afternoon, my twin seven-year-old daughters got separated from me and they, didn't, they weren't even aware of it at first. They just kind of drifted off. And when I became aware that they weren't around, I started doing the normal thing. I just kind of looked around the camper. And then I asked a few family members who were there. I don't, I don't remember specifically if it was my wife or if it was any of their brothers that was there. Nobody had seen him. So I, I just started broadening my search and I started walking out around there and I started calling their names thinking that, okay, they're just right around the corner. And when they didn't respond that, that calling out got louder, got more desperate. And I, I jokingly told the guys, I said, I even gave the dad whistle. Now the dad <laughs> whistle is, is primo in our family. When I give that whistle, you stop immediately and you look for me. And it works still today, all the way from <laughs> my 40 year old down to my grandkids. It, it, it still works. It's a powerful tool, but that, whistle didn't produce anything that day. And I became more frantic and I was running around. I was asking other campers if they had seen them and I really didn't care what they thought. I was just, I was becoming frantic and I was thinking, where did they go? What could have happened to them? And so I decided to run up to the pool area, the clubhouse, which is about a quarter mile away. And I was just running, I was panicking. And all I could think about was finding my girls. And, and the thing that hit me, Evan, was the fact that they were out from underneath my protection and care. And I hadn't really experienced that up until this point in time. They were just there. I was there for them. And when I got to the clubhouse, fortunately, I, I soon found them. They were just messing around the pool and they had just begun to realize that they were out of their zone. They had drifted off. They were looking for dad, their brothers, but they didn't know the way back. And I found them. Uh, they weren't even at that place where they were fully panicking yet. And the other ones who had gotten caught up in all of this too, is, is when I think back at that, is it wasn't just me, that as soon as my sons realized that the girls were gone. They picked up on that urgency mm. and they joined in on the search as well. And I think that that is a great, a great illustration to help us understand just the love of our heavenly father. He loves us, he found us, and we're so thankful for that. But this, this grand scheme of things is still going on there is still an urgency on the part of our heavenly father calling out to people 
many of which we know, our family, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, who also are lost. They don't even know it. And our fathers in an urgent, you know, search for them, and he's working through us. And, and we need to pick up on that, on yeah. the heart of our father and be willing to go and to help and do that. And maybe not with the same kind of thing that, like I jokingly described before, that we've got to walk up with somebody and we've got to convince them they need to accept Jesus now. And I get the urgency, but there also needs to be a little bit of partnership with the Holy Spirit and trust, you know, Lord, uh, create this opportunity. How can I sow into this relationship right now? And that's where I summed it up with the guys. First of all, just identifying who is your one mm-hmm. and, and maybe ones, but at least right now, Lord, who is my one? I ask church teams this all the time and say, who is your one? Because you cannot lead where you will not go and you cannot teach what you do not know. And if you want church leaders to download this into uh, their congregations, if, if they don't have a one or ones they're working on, then how in the heck are we expecting you know, our, our 99 to do the same thing? So the first thing to ask the guys is, who is your one? And you need to write that down to identify them. And number two, then you need to invest in that relationship. You need to be praying for them and, and becoming that they are going to be becoming more aware of their separation for God and how much he loves them and strategically think about how that you can use your time with them, whether it's just uh, interaction at work or if it's something where you're setting up, a, you're hanging out with them. And it could be over golf. It could be over some other hobby. It could just be hanging out. And it could be where they're inviting you over and they're having a beer with a number of other guys and you want to just go join them. My gosh, how do you do that? How do you sow into that relationship? And then you wait for God's nudge. And Mm -hmm. at some point in time, they either initiate or you just say, listen, I've got this thing. Would you come with me and invite them, whether it's to your church or small group or the greatest thing that I see has been the brotherhood breakfast. We, so many guys are inviting guys, but Evan, I have to admit, I have been there for over six years and I come most every time that I'm in town and am able to, I love serving. I don't think I've ever invited anybody. Hmm. And, and that, that was an indictment. And I see a lot of other guys who invite guys, sometimes whole tables. And I don't know if they're lost ones or if they're just friends from within the church or friends from other churches. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's There's great. But could we prioritize this a little bit? We don't have to buy a whole table. Why couldn't I, why couldn't you, why couldn't we all just commit to not just budgeting 12 bucks a month, you know, to pay for our ticket to come? How about we buy two tickets and a few weeks out, we're always thinking about our one. Mm -hmm. And could I invite him and have him come? Now, if I want to invite somebody else, great, that's a bonus. 
but let's invite the one. Hey, I went first. I've taken this on as, as, a, as an intentional prayer of my own. This is what I'm going to do. Who am I? And until I made that commitment, I was not as, as focused on this. I've got a reminder in my task management thing. I need to be thinking about this. I need to be setting up a conversation instead of just being passive and waiting for somebody to say, hey, you've got a breakfast. Could I come with you? When's that going to happen? It doesn't. And, and so it's just something that causes us to be a little bit more aware and intentional. And I think we've got great potential because this men's ministry that we've got at Church on the Move is, I don't know if it's the greatest in the world, but I don't see very many others in other churches that are, have the kind of momentum and vibrancy that this does right now. And it's, uh, it's a great blessing to us. And I think it's a wonderful opportunity to invite guys to be able to experience the community of other guys just like them, but have tr truly experienced the love of God. And uh, hopefully they'll mess around the creek bank and fall in just like we did. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the solutions to why brotherhood does what it does. But I think that there is, especially... In, in today's world, there is a hunger for guys and, and for, for guys right now that, you know, they're, they're under attack. I mean, Lee, Lee talked about it in one of his messages that your kingdom is always under attack. And for us, yep. you know, having a brotherhood is paramount to surviving those attacks. Uh, and so we're sitting there going, all right, I'm under attack. Uh, I want to be, you know, joined with like-minded brothers. You have intentional friends that need that too. And so yes. if you can just be that conduit to connect them to that, sometimes brotherhood will just do the, do the work for you. It's just like, Hey, I'm, I'm going, I'm just reminding you, uh, let's yes. go. Or, Hey, I got you a ticket. You just come breakfast is on me and, and let's, let's hang out. But I, I think there's, <clears throat> I think that's a big part of it is just kind of overcoming those internal objections that you have. I, I love how you shared in, in your story about looking for your daughters that you didn't care what other people thought. And I think I that if, if, if we think about just the, the uh, responsibility that we have in these situations to maybe cast off caring about what other people think, if you get rejected, that's okay. If your friend says no to you, like, Hey, I don't want to go there. It's not the end of the world. If they're decent friend, if you've invested in that relationship, they'll probably continue to be your friend and just not come to the breakfast. But on the other totally. side of that, you could be connecting them to something that they drastically need. You, I've, I've had friendships with, with friends that I have no clue what's going on in their life until it completely falls apart. And, yeah. and, and the reason for that is, is for, as a, as a guy, we're really good at compartmentalizing. We're really good at, at saying one thing, and, and putting our focus over here, well, uh, another complete different things going on. A, a, a huge example of that, if you watch that Tiger Woods documentary, how he was able to juggle, all, like compartmentalize his entire life, it, it's, yeah. it's incredible. But that's something that we can do. But if you are intentional with those relationships, if you pursue those relationships, and if, if you're seeking out with that intentionality like, like you were when you were looking for your daughter's, I think that you're going to start to see some of those 
cracks start to show yep. and you can start asking some of those questions and going a little bit deeper and saying, Hey, how are things really going? You know, how yes. can I pray for you? Uh, you know, come to brotherhood breakfast. Let's, let's, you know, let's talk about it afterwards. What did you think? Uh, but I think all of those things can bind our stuff that just us as guys, it, but I'm going to talk for me specifically. It does not come naturally for me to do some of this stuff. I'm not a naturally relational person. I, I want to invest really deep into a very few relationships. And I know other people yeah. that, you know, that it comes naturally to talk to everybody. So I have to overcome some of that stuff and I have to ask God to help me in those situations. But I think that from a general standpoint, that having an intentional focus on, on one or two friends uh, and yeah. just saying, hey, I want to I want to create an opportunity for you and, and whatever happens, uh, I, I think that makes a big difference. Uh, and I think that you'll be surprised at the response that you'll have. And uh, Kirby, you've been going to these for a long time. I've been going to these for a long time. Uh, they're very well put on. They're not going to put you in a position where you're walking out going, well, I can't believe that happened. Uh, you know, yeah, we're, we're, we're not, yeah. we're not going to, yeah, we're not going to put you in a, in a situation where you're going to walk out and, the, and your friend's going to be like, well, I'm never going there again. And so I, I think that hopefully Brotherhood's invested enough in the relationship with you that you can kind of trust that it's going to be a first class speaker. Uh, it's going to be a good breakfast and it's going to be good quality time. The gospel has always been relational. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you look at just God himself. You've got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's all relational. Out of these three things that I mentioned that I encourage the guys to do, to invest, to or to identify, invest, and to invite, the lion's share of our attention and, and uh, focus should be on that second part, on the investing. Yeah. When, when you're sowing in and you've got the relationship, the invite is simple. Mm -hmm. It's a natural outgrowth. We fret over making the invite because we maybe haven't invested enough. But when it's a great friendship, it's just saying, dude, I want you to come with me. You got to come. This thing is awesome. Uh, you're not embarrassed of it. You know that it's going to be great. And um, there, there is so little risk in that. And that's what, what I feel like... Um, is the thing where we have tripped ourselves up. We go straight to, in our mind of thinking, uh, sharing the gospel evangelism. I, you know, even if I'm not talking to strangers, I've got to go straight for the close, man. I got to mm. go to the invite and I'm just going to just go from, from point one to point 10 real quick. No, it's just building relationship. And when that happens, You've earned the right to be able to speak into their lives, and they know that when you've been there for them and you've, you've been interested in them. You and I had talked earlier about it's better to be interested than interesting. Right. And, and the funny thing is, is when you're interested, they do think you're the most interesting person <laughs> in the world. And all you're doing is asking questions. So again, it just comes down to just being interested in them. And, and um, that paves the way for that, that moment when God sets it up and it's a simple thing. Dude, I'm going here this week, you know, to, to Brotherhood. I got two tickets. Come with me. I'll pick you up. And if it doesn't work this month, extend the invitation next month. 
there's nothing hard about that. There's, and, and I, I just, uh, to me, it gets me very excited. Yeah. Well, I think the byproduct of this too is if you're intentionally investing in relationships, guess what? You're going to have really good friends. And I think that that's, a, that's another thing from like a guy standpoint. I don't think guys oh. naturally have really solid friendships. And so as you're investing in them, obviously you're going to, you know, hopefully get to the point where you're going to invite, but through that process, you're, you're creating your own brotherhood and guess yeah. what? You might actually benefit from that relationship too. There's probably going to be a time in your life when you face some adversity and you're going to need a brotherhood around you to help yeah. you walk through that. And you've made that investment and you've created that uh, opportunity for somebody to speak into your life. And you're giving them permission to speak into your life and they're giving you permission to speak into their lives. And I think that when you pull back from that, we talk about legacy, we talk about investing in relationships and, and, and talking about identity, like who we are and who we are in Christ. There's nothing more uh, fulfilling in life to have a brotherhood around you to say we served well, we lived well, uh, we invested well. And I think that that's something that when you look at all the different things that we're trying to accomplish in life. We're trying to just survive sometimes. Uh, and then you you put all the different distractions in front of you and, and things that are pulling your attention multiple ways. I, I wrote this down when you were talking. Distraction is the, en uh, is the enemy of intentionality. And I think that sometimes what we need to do hmm. is recognize that there are there's a spiritual battle going on for your attention. And if you allow other things to pull you away from that stuff, you cannot be intentional with your relationships. You cannot be intentional with your friendships and you're never going to get to that invite step because you're never going to have that relationship. Uh, I don't normally so share, share some of the numbers that we have from the breakfast, but I felt like it was important on this one to talk about it. Uh, so if you're listening to this podcast and you were at that breakfast, I'm going to remind you of Kirby's challenge to you. And that's to invite and intentionally buy that additional ticket. We had 306 people at the last breakfast. So if everybody takes that to heart, uh, Johnny's going to freak out a little bit, but I'm pretty sure he can yep. handle 612 people coming to the breakfast, but I'd love to freak them out. <laughs> I'm sure he they can it handle too. it. Yeah, they, they can we, handle it. We can always go back to the, the main auditorium, but just from a number standpoint, if everybody takes to heart that, that in, uh, invest, invite, uh, identify, invest, invite message, uh, we should have at least 612 people at the breakfast. And I, I don't say that because I want to brag about the, the number of people that we have to a breakfast, but I say that as a challenge to say, when you look around that room, if that room has gotten bigger, there's more people there. That's because people yeah. have intentionally invited people. And hopefully yeah. you take that challenge to heart. I'm taking that challenge to heart. Kirby, I know that you're taking that challenge to heart. And so I'm, I'm encouraged uh, from a brotherhood standpoint. We recognize that there's something going on here. That it's, it's a needed thing for our community and, and well beyond that. But it all starts with that intentional conversation, uh, identifying yeah. those people that are in our lives that we that we can invite to something like brotherhood. But also, it's not just that this is not a, a pyramid scheme to increase brotherhood numbers. This is an opportunity for you to grow your own brotherhood, to bring people to Christ and tap into that mission uh, of, the, of the Great Commission that God gave us. And it's... Uh, it the thought of this also makes me happy because I know what a difference it will make to our pastors. Yeah. I think about this for, for pastor Witt, all of our campus pastors, uh, for them to know that people are actually coming alongside 
and helping to fulfill uh, the, the, the mission of the church. And our church has our own way of saying the Great Commission. It's mm-hmm. to introduce people to the real Jesus. This is what they live for, and it will make make them <laughs> that that's the greatest gift that we can give them is to say yes, yes, we're taking this seriously. So um, I I love this, and I I think that our 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 brotherhood uh, has the has the greatest opportunity to make that kind of impact within our church and our community, and I absolutely love it. Well, Kirby, I, I appreciate you taking the time to kind of walk us through this. I, I want to leave it at this. I feel like we've hammered the point, but uh, there was just something that kind of popped up that I, I think uh, makes a little bit of sense in this. And, and that's maybe looking a little bit bigger picture than than just the July breakfast. Um, yeah, I've we've talked about this a little bit in the podcast before, and I think that this, you know, this is something that, that kind of carries more and more weight with me as I kind of progress through life is recognizing the difference between the pain of discomfort versus the pain of regret. And I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to walk away from an opportunity like this to talk about what potentially could be the other side where you haven't uh, been intentional with figuring out who those people are. You haven't invested in them. Uh, and then you don't have that opportunity to invite because that opportunity goes away. So if you can, as we kind of close this up, can you talk a little bit about just, you know, your journey with the, the pain of discomfort versus the pain of regret and, and hopefully encourage the guys to, to take some of those next steps? Yeah, I, I think most of it has just come down to what I had alluded to earlier is just my own realization now uh, with, with what I'm doing vocationally. And with having a greater understanding from, from the co-founders of our, of our organization, their passion, and what drives us every day, and how that that has just helped me to understand uh, what I've understood in my head for so long and have done and have applied myself towards, but just challenged myself is this something that I have really made a change in my own behavior, just as Kirby Anderson, not as pastor, not as coach, not as church leader, you know, whatever the other title or role might be, just me. And as, as a follower of Jesus, and that did make it, it, it caused a bit of regret, like I said, to look back and to say, I wish I would have done more. But the reality is I've got today and I can start today. Yeah. And uh, I don't spend a lot of time, um, you know, wallowing in, in that, that regret of the past. But I do use it as fuel mm-hmm. for saying, what am I going to do different? How am I going to operationalize this? So I started with me. I mentioned my reminders and other things that yeah. that I can do. Just so that it's not just a thing of like, oh yeah, that was I, that was a great moment when I realized that, but nothing changed. So you know, change happens when we make a change in our time, when we make a change in our budget, and those little things uh, are things that I have done. And, and that's, that's really what it is. The discomfort of, of uh, you know, maybe reaching the lost, I think is, um, I think it's, it's really a non-issue because most of it comes from a false kind of imagination. Hmm. We're fearing rejection and stuff. I've never experienced that. When I have sown into other people's lives, it's a natural outgrowth of it. 
So for me, I love sewing into other people. I'm, I, yeah, maybe I've got an advantage in that I'm an extrovert in that sense, but I, I like that. Uh, and especially with those who are already friends of mine or neighbors or something along that line. So why not just continue to invest, but to do it more than just because I'm trying to be nice and cordial yeah. and to get along <laughs> that I really genuinely am interested in them. I'm interested in their eternity in, in their eternity. And uh, I'm partnering with the Holy Spirit right now to uh, not just be a good human, but but really uh, to genuinely give of myself in such a way that hopefully they will come to know uh, Jesus as their Lord, as I have. And that's what's, that's what's becoming a greater drive in my life now uh, than ever before. And I don't have that. It's not part of my job description, you know, as far as be, any, any other title that I have, but it is as a follower of Jesus and a son of the Most High God. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I'm not overcomplicating it. I'm just taking <laughs> steps. And what can I do? Uh, I don't have to win the world right now, but I am mindful of those around me and who I know. Well, Kirby, thank you for, for kind of sharing your heart on that. Thank you for sharing uh, your, your, your message to the brotherhood. I think that's a timely message that we all needed to hear. And, and ultimately for us, if we can think about what, what can we do in our part, what is, when we're talking about a lot of this stuff, we're talking about tying into your purpose and tying into who God created you to be. And, and I believe a big part of this is we could, if we can tap into the mission of God, what, what he wants us to do, I think that that we're more will actually be revealed to us about ourselves as we go through that entire process. And, and from a relationship standpoint, your relationships will be stronger from a family standpoint. I think your family is going to see the benefit of it as well. So uh, a lot of great and exciting things. So, uh, man, I, I'm, I'm still bummed that I wasn't there, but I do feel like we got maybe a little bit of a glimpse of, of what some of that message was. So Kirby, thank you so much. Brothers, remember to honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the King. We'll catch you on the next podcast. Mm -hmm.